Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and Metatopia 2018. Episode 234, Planning a Kickstarter? What You Need to Know. Presented by Juliet Mayer, Raymond Bruels, and Chandler Copenhaver. set up just to ask kind of where where's everybody at with uh, I mean obviously we're going to talk about some Kickstarter stuff but just by a raise of hands is everybody any, is everyone in here a, would be a first timer just considered a oh, cool. okay. okay and uh, how close are you to close? actually getting ready to launch a Kickstarter we're here awesome yeah that's mm-hmm. a good answer I'm, I'm uh, clean up a video kind of phase we, we shot one video and yeah, no. So <laughs> within within a month, kind of a yep. time frame, though. Yep. Yeah. Anybody else closer than that? No, I'm not closer than that. I'm much further than that. Okay. I have the ideas, more than one, but what I'm learning is that I don't have the networking enough to do it. Uh, networking does play a big role, does. and we're going to cover some of that. And you've been with us for the 101 and the 201 for marketing that we, we did so this weekend. Yep. Um, so you'll see some of the stuff that we've talked about in those other two sem- uh, sessions um, and how those things can help build you towards success with your Kickstarter. I've already failed once. You know what? <laughs> but failure is one of the best teachers, and it doesn't mean you're done. That's right. Um, that's that's one of the biggest things that I, I try to, to tell folks is uh, – we're gonna, we've got a couple of slides that talk about the demographics of Kickstarter and how many actually succeed and what the most successful categories are, which is bizarre, but um, we love we love data-driven um, information. I applaud a failure because a failure means that you you took the initiative, which takes you far beyond the average individual who never, ever does it. Right. Wh- which, in many ways, is what we have found with MetatopiaCon is... You all have great ideas. You've got products, brands, ideas, things that you're wanting to push and being becoming thought leaders in uh, your your niches. You're doing more than most people. I know so many folks back home. They're like, "Yeah, I got this great idea for a game," and that's all it ever goes. It's like I got this great idea. Well, congratulations. How about you start putting that idea down? Right. And then you start seeing folks show up at MetatopiaCon, and they're like, "Hey, let me show you my alpha. Let me show you my, my beta." Oh, by the way, I have artwork I've, I've got designed. And you guys are so far ahead of the curve because you're actually doing it. So in that regard, you should applaud yourselves just because you are taking the, the first steps and, and many of the steps along the way to success, and you've got the courage to follow your dream. Because right. a lot of people, they don't ever go any further than I got a great idea. They say that the cemetery is the most wealthy place in the world because of all the ideas that people took there, right? You know, there's lots of ideas that nobody ever executed on that probably are worth, you know, not just in dollars, but are worth a lot to the world that nobody ever executes on. So, it's the beauty of Kickstarter. That was a good, great idea for a game. Hey, there we go. Um, I want a royalty. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, as it said on your on your docket, we're going to talk about what we feel um, is kind of the the five things that you need long and long before you actually go to the launch. Um, and this presentation does kind of assume that you've got some kind of concept or, or direction. Uh, or you're almost ready to, to launch. Right, or you're almost uh, ready. Um, so who are we? Uh, <laughs> hi, I'm Ray. Um, if you guys have uh, went to our Marketing 101 or 201, you've mm -hmm. probably you know, heard me talk. Um, I've got a lot of experience in community management. I'm also an entrepreneur. I've, I've created four, four different companies. Uh, ranging in a multitude of different um, uh, communities and, and products. Uh, the haunted house attraction industry, uh, masks and props for haunted attractions, RPGs. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've done a little bit of everything. Um, and I love data and marketing and Kickstarters. I, I had a Kickstarter obsession before I really got into to, uh, promoting anything. And I love to watch people's dreams come to fruition. Um, and I like I love to see what works and what doesn't, and so that's kind of why I'm here because I want to help you guys be armed with the information and knowledge that will help you succeed. My I'm Julia. Um, many of you have heard me talk. Um, my background is marketing. I've got over 15 years of experience in marketing, whether that's content, email, um, event marketing. Um, I'm also an entrepreneur. Uh, I own a successful LARP in Colorado. Um, we're dorks. We're 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 in good company, right? Yes, I'm in good company. Um, we also understand it's Sunday. We are tired. Yeah, I'm we, sure we are also are tired. Walk, the weekend. Walking Dead with you guys. Um, and this is our new friend Chandler. And this is Chandler. <laughs> My name's Chandler Copenhaver. Um, so I I've been doing. I'll give you a quick backstory. Kickstarter is super important to me, and one of the main reasons why is because uh, it's where. It's my job. I everything, you know. But but more than that, though, I've been backing Kickstarter campaigns. Um, I started back in 2012. You know, not I'm not like the early Genesis, but pretty early on. Mm -hmm. And um, gaming wasn't a big part of it actually at the beginning. I've I've been playing you know Magic the Gathering, and I've been kind of gotten somewhat into the hobby world pretty early on. When I was a young kid. Um, but you know, after that, I didn't have a lot of like intense interactions. But then. Uh, you know, I then started to delve deeper into it the more that, uh, the closer I got to the platform of Kickstarter. Um, but before that, I started working, uh, about five years ago, I started working with Kickstarter creators. Um, I've since worked with uh, well over a thousand and um, have, uh, it originally was with non-tabletop campaigns, in fact, um, doing marketing and helping support those creators. Um, and, uh, and then, dived into the tabletop cat of the world uh, that is this community um, about two years ago. And I'm working currently with a company called Crowdox, and we do uh, pledge management services for people who do Kickstarter campaigns. And so through Crowdox, I've been able to work with hundreds of more creators and help them, uh, and we'll talk more in detail about that specifically, um, but uh, I absolutely love it. And probably the most exciting thing that I get to do is work with creators. I'm wearing... Uh, colossal games today. I, I try to have like some some of everybody's paraphernalia just because you know, it's cool. Like uh, support support each other, you know. And uh, uh, it's just an, this community has actually been very important to actual to to the growth and the way that Kickstarter has developed. Um, it's one of the most important uh, products and and types of things that is going on on Kickstarter. Um, and so it's really exciting to be a part of. 
So we're, we're, we appreciate you guys being here today. So the question is, what five things do I need? Um, I also put patience, planning, and fortitude because I think those are three virtues um, that any entrepreneur um, needs to embrace. So before we get started talking about, um, about what you need, what those five things are, remember that though we use Kickstarter as almost a verb, as its own kind of, it's, it's grown beyond a brand, much like Google, I'm going to Google that or I'm going to kickstart that. That is, it, it has become more than just, uh, just a company. It is now crowdfunding is, is so much bigger, but you do actually have some different platforms. So it is worth it to look at the different platforms, just be, just educationally, even if you say, I know I'm gonna go with Kickstarter because that's got the biggest audience, which I would argue they do. Um, we have some very proud Kickstarter, like super, what's the, what's the? Super backer. I'm super sorry, backers. super backer. Yeah. I am not a super backer. <laughs> um, super backer. Super backer. <laughs> well, so it's going to be like that. It's going to be like that today, isn't it? Um, anyway, so uh, just be aware that these, these fees, these different things are available to you. Um, you don't just have one platform. The, yeah. And to talk quickly about platform, it also depends on what you're doing. Yep. Yeah. It very much depends. Because the, each platform has a very different approach, a very different audience, and, and your outcome and your results will be different. Um, mm -hmm. This day and age, board games will thrive much better on Kickstarter. Yep. Um, and uh, RPGs, I can't say as much for, um, Indiegogo might have a little bit of strength for, but it still is probably gonna be very much Kickstarter yeah. oriented. Yeah. Uh, Indiegogo, um, the more, I've seen more comic books move towards Indiegogo for funding um, because they have a fixed and flexible funding option. I was just going to ask a, a quick question. Of, I've seen a lot of people put it up on Kickstarter and at the end of their Kickstarter they put everything that says we, switched, we flipped over to Indiegogo. Oh, it's really? Indiegogo. It's called Indiegogo in Demand. It's a program that Indiegogo huh. has that allows you to extend your campaign. And so you essentially take that 30000 you raised on Kickstarter, that's the starting figure on Indiegogo, and then you can continue to generate funds on their platform. Oh. Um, the cost goes up. It goes from 5% to 8% plus processing. So you're looking at about 11, 11.5% total um, instead of the, uh, or 12 do my math. Math. Yeah. yeah. Definitely math. math. No, no math. math. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> no math on Sunday. <laughs> but the, uh, the idea being that, that uh, you can extend your campaign uh, and there's ways to do that through pledge managers and mm -hmm. Kickstarter, so you're not having to flip over to another service. Um, but that's a yeah. great question. Yeah, and, and yeah, it does. It does it really impact your campaign a whole lot? No. And, and now there's certain campaigns that it will, but not not typically in the board game category. But Kickstarter will take a portion of whatever you have raised before they flip it, right? Oh, correct. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, they gotta get their money. That thirty grand you raised on Kickstarter, they charge their fee. You move on to Indiegogo, and you raise an extra ten grand. So now you're at forty accumulative, right? Forty total, but Gross. ten is on Indiegogo. They would take their fee of that ten. Grand. What, what was that called again? Indiegogo in demand. Again, I don't necessarily recommend it or don't recommend it. I don't have a problem with people. Um, utilizing that uh, in terms of like I've never seen problems with it or, or issues um, but I a lot of people go in with an expectation of maybe the same results or even close to it uh, but you'll get maybe 10 to 20 percent of what you did on Kickstarter if it goes really good in yeah. most cases the, the idea being that you have somewhere to continue to take pre-orders or somewhere to continue to generate additional you, you want you don't want to not have somewhere to send people Right. in that time that you're making the game. And we'll, we'll get more into that on the pledge management side. I'm curious, would another use for be like 
you've gotten so many, or like you've had your number of backers where it's like, I'm just doing a thousand print there. Now you have more than a thousand backers there where now I might have to go then swap in to go to get like a second wave already started. Yeah, yeah, it's and like we'll dive a little bit deeper into this okay. in just a little bit. But what I would say though is plat the reason why I say the platforms are very different. Mm -hmm. GoFundMe, for example, is typically cause based. If you're going to start, you know, a support group and you're going to help people that are in the LARPing community with something specific, GoFundMe is your way to go. Yeah, it's that's really where did. you want to be. Yep. And uh, uh, but you don't want it. You can't run a Kickstarter. They won't probably let you um, just because they don't have any charitable campaigns on Kickstarter. So very much depending on what you're trying to do might change your platform. Um, but typically, uh, I think 90% of this conversation will be about Kickstarter. Will primarily yeah. be about Kickstarter, correct. All right. Budget, get you some of that RPG money. Um, so uh, some budgeting goals, things that you need to think about are how much money do you need to cover the base costs of your creation, your printing, your delivery. Before you even start this process, you have to know where your fees are going to be, um, what your costs are. Are you getting a pledge manager? Um, are you getting a fulfillment manager? Correct. Um, there, there are so many things involved, and, and a lot of folks fail because they don't accurately budget out what it's going to, to truly cost. And you hear horror stories all the time where they're like, yeah, we got a quarter of a million dollars, but then we're $50,000 in debt. It's because they didn't factor in their shipping fees or the, the ancillary costs that go along, um, or they didn't, they didn't budget out enough to cover those things. Are you, you know, a UE uh, uh, product? Are you gonna be uh, shipping overseas? Well, shipping costs are gonna be more, uh, are, are gonna cost more, but there are ways around that as, <coughs> To, to factor that in appropriately and budget that appropriately. And who um, are you going to be paying for assets? Did you have a designer? Did you have, you know, do you have friends that you've promised a portion of that? Somebody who wrote modules as stretch goals. Uh, you have to budget in payment for all of those people. You have to be mindful and really look at the whole picture, not just, cool, I have this money in my bank account, good for me. That, that's really not how that's going to work. Um, uh, there's also the thing considering do you want to bootstrap things and do do them yourself? We chatted with somebody yesterday who taught themselves in design um, because they didn't want to deal with a designer and that is a steep learning curve as somebody who taught themselves in design. That's that's in, that person deserves a round of applause. But, um. <laughs> but it, 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 you know, in many ways it comes down to time and money and if you've got a lot mm -hmm. of time on your hands and you're willing to, to, to teach yourself these things mm -hmm. you can you could literally do the entire process in some form or fashion but there are there are groups out there such as Crowdox, that are there to help make your lives easier because the process can be incredibly daunting. Um, you might think, yeah, I've got this, and then six weeks in, you're like, holy shit. And I have boxes yeah. upon boxes upon boxes of my products sitting in my garage. Yeah. How, how big is your do? garage? Oh, my yeah. God. And that's <laughs> Where am I going to store this and stuff? And that's, that's yeah. why fulfillment centers, uh, you've, you've got folks that have the storage space that are able to back it, package this stuff up and ship it out for you. Mm -hmm. And that way you don't have giant you know, uh, stacks of, of products sitting in your garage. Kickstarter is very much a community platform. And we'll talk more about community shortly. But it's the same way with budgets and goals. If you're not that person, if you're not the numbers person, I'm pretty sure you have somebody in your community, like somebody within friends, within family, within, mm -hmm. you know, within even this, this current you know, type of event where you may might be able to meet people that can help you on that side. Because if you're going to self-publish, if you're going to go that path, you are going to become a business owner and yep. you're going to have to do all the things that come with running a business, which is 
a lot of not fun stuff that might, well, it might not be fun for you if, if you're not into that. And there are people that love it. And so you probably need to either find one of those individuals or, um, or start doing your, uh, your financial push-ups. A lot of, a lot of folks that we talk, we've talked to even just this weekend, you're content creators. You're dreamers, you're builders, you're doers, you're designers. Visionaries. You're not necessarily the business folks. And that's okay because for every, think about every hour that you're putting towards all that business development, that community management, how much time are you not putting towards building new product or, or revising your product? Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things you've got to understand the trade-offs and where your time is most valuable. You know, you might be the best designer in the world, but you might be a crappy business person. And that's okay because there are people for that. Right. And like you said, you know, you can network and find those folks to help you push forward. Within your community that understand your demographic and understand what you're going through and want to help. Um, so keep in mind, again, Kickstarter takes a cut. <coughs> Stripe, whoever your, your payment processor is, they're going to take a cut as well. Um, and then taxes. That's a terrible, dangerous Stripe, word. Stripe reports back to the government in regards to what you take in. Mm -hmm. And so um, you know, they're going to file, I think it's like a 1099K or, or whatever the, the form is. So you're going to have to factor that in as well. How much money is are you going to be shelling out in terms of fees? Right. Do they take their percent before the report, or this is how much you make, and then they take their so they So Kickstarter will take their cut, Stripe will take their cut, and then at the end, I think I believe it's the end of the year, they send the, the information to the government. Yes, and by running a Kickstarter campaign, you input your Social Security number into yep. the, the profile, and um, you can put a tax ID in as well if you have a business account, mm -hmm. um, in which I you can't not do that. Yeah. You need to have a business tax ID number just to protect yourself because it's a whole different ball game. Um, yeah, analysis is definitely recommended. LLC, yeah. Um, but yeah, government uh, Kickstarter and Stripe. That Kickstarter uses Stripe to process, right? Yep. It's different than it would be down the road when you have your own Stripe account. This is Kickstarter Stripe account that's being used, and so yeah, it's it's sent to the IRS as a 1099. I got a question in the back, yeah. Cool. Is all this going to be available online? Now? So yes. we've got a Bitly link that we are we are posting um, this. Uh, all three of our presentations over the course of the weekend: marketing 101, 102, as well as our worksheets and all of the the background data for all of this, as well as some great social media demographics, are all available at the other side of that Bitly link. And I'll post that at the end. It's basically Bitly Medi Metatopia 2018. That's going to be the URL. All of the powerpoints will be available there. That way, you can go back and reference. And they're recording this. And they're also recording this. Yep. All right, distribution channels, point-click ship. Uh, <laughs> I um, wish it was that way. I know, <laughs> it's not that easy. <laughs> I want it to be that easy. Um, so how is it that you're going to distribute your product? Do you have a digital product? Do you have something that's got tiny little parts that are coming from China? What do you need to print? Um, is this being produced overseas? Um, that's really important. Chinese New Year, like, stops production pretty much. Um, and so many folks have a tendency to forget about Chinese New Year, and then they're like, holy crap, where's my product? Why is it behind? Well, you didn't factor in Chinese New Year. Yeah, that's really and a how thing. it shuts down all the production. And then you've got to factor in your freight mm -hmm. and your delays in freight bringing things over and how long it's going to sit on the docks. So these are all factors in terms of distribution because if you promise your product by a certain amount of time and you haven't factored these things in, well, suddenly you're going to be late. Right. You're not going to get things in a timely fashion, and yeah. people are going to start getting mad. On the point of on the point of delivery, um, you've uh, raised by raise of hands. How many have backed a Kickstarter campaign? 
Okay, I guess I should ask, who hasn't backed one yet? <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I highly recommend you go find something that you can back that you're really interested in for, you know, it doesn't have to be expensive, but find something that you would want to back because bef- you need to do that not just for a community's sake. A lot mm-hmm. of people want to see that you're backing things, supporting things, but you need to know how it works. Yeah. And so being yeah. on that side of that is incredibly important. If you try to run a Kickstarter and have not backed a campaign, you're going in blind. Um, but you'll go in with more awareness because you'll recognize, hey, this guy, he, he ended up being late, but I wasn't mad, and most people weren't mad, and how did that happen? How does that happen? Well, there's two things that can happen. Number one, um, in terms of fulfillment, because again, it's 70 80% of Kickstarters actually deliver not on time, they deliver late, and that's mm-hmm. a problem. Um, so what uh, I typically suggest is that you plan for that. You plan for that. You think you've done all of your, your analysis and you figure out what it's going to take and, and how long it's going to take to ship it. And we're going to ship it on a pallet and it's going to go on the ocean. Well, that's going to take an extra month to get to me, yeah. right? If you've made all of those plans and you know that it's going to take two, <coughs> two to three months to create your game, then you probably should tell everyone it's going to take four to five months. Like, every time. You should tell them it's taking longer than you anticipate in the best or even worst case scenario because that worst case scenario is not even going to be as bad as your worst case scenario. And if you happen to to beat that estimate, well, nobody's going to complain. You (laughs) will make people happy if you are early, but you will make people very upset if you are late. And so, yeah, so so if you're two months early, you'll get applauded and there will be parades in the streets for you. The 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 other benefit of backing somebody else's product is you get to see how they communicate with the, their backers. And that's, that's infinitely important because as long as you are open, keeping open that, that, those channels of communication, people will know what's going on. They're not going to feel like they're in the dark. And suddenly, you know, I've seen some, some Kickstarters, you don't hear anything for four months, and you're like, what the hell happened with mm-hmm. this, this Kickstarter? It's because there was Where's no communication. <laughs> but if there's regular communication, they know what's going on, and it helps lessen that blow of if things are running behind. I work with a creator that she, you know, that she made these tarot cards, which, uh, you know, kind of this very spiritual, energetic, you know, has all about energy. And it was very unfortunate because she kind of like meditated her way into oblivion while everyone was not getting updates for two or three months. And what I understand, because Kickstarter is incredibly stressful, it's going to be a very, it's a lot of work. Um, but you can't then think that a vacation then happens the month after your campaign is mm-hmm. over. It was a really unfortunate scenario because then she came back and realized everybody was upset. And, and, and so communication is, is what it, everything is tied to. Everyone's waiting on, on, yeah. on you, for you. And so uh, communicating effectively is, is so important. And so if you happen to be late, which maybe 60% of this room may end up being late, that's okay. It's not like a huge sin. Uh, if you can communicate effectively and say, hey guys, look, we had a mold that we had to redo uh, for this miniature and it took an extra month, but here's pictures from the factory and, and here's, here's us working our, our butts off to make this work for you and, and here's all this cool content that, that you can kind of suck on as a lollipop in the meantime, right? right. That's, that's an important uh, So expectation management would almost be more important than product management? It's a balance. It is a balance, yeah. Yeah. Uh, expectation management uh, is something we all need to work on because as we run our campaigns, we also need to have expectation management on ourselves. On, uh, you know, can I raise a million dollars for my campaign? Probably not. Uh, only a tenth of 1% of all campaigns 
get to that number uh, on Kickstarter. Yeah. It's a very small fraction. 323 <laughs> Kickstarters made over a million dollars. We looked that up today. Out of how many? Out of four hundred ninety-five thousand, yeah, something like half, that. Like half a million <laughs> campaigns that uh, out of half a million, just under half a million successful campaigns. That doesn't even include the ones that were not successful. Yeah. Only three hundred and change made over a million. You can go to you can go to uh, Kickstarter right now. And there's ways that you can break down your search, yep. Yep. and you can look search for all uh, live campaigns that are on right now. There's roughly like four thousand campaigns that are live on Kickstarter. There's like one or two that have made a million dollars. Um, and they're not actually board games. <laughs> the numbers are the numbers are really great. We've got like a, uh, a I was saying earlier, we've got yeah. some statistics. It's not a it, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a don't don't count on a million dollars coming in. You want to you want to shoot for something a little bit lower, especially for your first game. I, I tell everybody, aim for the stars, but settle for the moon. You know, everybody wants to be the Matt Mercer, the Mike, Mike Colville, the guys that are pulling millions of dollars. You know what? They also spent years developing their, their community audience. and their audience base to be able to leverage to get those backers. And they're probably spending tens of millions of dollars to make that million dollars. In fact, I know mm -hmm. campaigns that have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in order to make millions of dollars. And that's in ad revenue and that's in like yeah. actual dollars and, and investment. So yeah, it can be really expensive. Don't expect virality because it's just, it just it's so rare. can't happen. Yeah. Um, some examples of fulfillment companies that are worth giving a Google. Mm -hmm. Uh, full uh, Fulfill right, Fulfill right and Quartermaster were two of the ones that, that we found recommended. Um, but also, check Google and Twitter for options. Price check, price check, price check. Compare also, these companies. networking. Coming coming to something like Metatopia, talking to folks who've already done Kickstarters. Yeah. Ask them who they used. Yeah. Because a lot of word of mouth um, recommendations can go a long way. Super important. A couple other companies really quickly. Um, there's a com If you're going to fulfill on your own, um, if you're if you have 200 RPGs that you can ship out of your home, and most of them in the U.S., it I, I would say ship from home. Don't, you, know, you probably don't need a company for a small scale operation, um, but a company called ShipStation is a great tool. Um, it'll allow you to um, print the labels and slap those on and, and ship it out to everyone. Got some good tools available to you. Um, but yeah, there's a list uh, that I can provide to you if you need that uh, in terms of fulfillment support and what I should look Absolutely. up and check into. Yes, okay. What about like, uh, like I've seen Backerkit, a bunch of some of the conventions. Backerkit's a competitor to Crowdox, yeah. so I got you covered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't worry about Backerkit. <laughs> but yeah, Backerkit is a, is a pledge management tool, um, but they do not actually perform the shipping. Um, and so they, they partner just like we do with, with shipping companies. Okay. Marketing, how to help the masses find you. Um, so we, we did two hours of classes <laughs> this weekend on marketing. If you didn't attend them, I'm going to do just kind of a really quick overview. Um, I really recommend already having a community of followers, already having an audience, already having a website, already having a social presence long before you actually do that. These are these are going to be your early adopters. These are going to be people who carry your message of your Kickstarter, your product out to the rest of the world and, and out to their tribes and their communities. Um, you should be regularly posting content to those channels long before your Kickstarter. 
Um, you should be hyping that Kickstarter, but not giving everything away. We know some content creators who get so overexcited that they immediately post everything out to social media. Within the first two weeks, oh. they're essentially giving everybody the product. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. like do you understand just, what you just Right. It's, it's, it's about trickling things out and determining how, you know, how are you trickling those items out? How are you engaging with your community? Your communication strategy and your marketing strategy should be best friends um, because your, your customer service on your Kickstarter page is essential to maintaining that hype. You want to be responsive. Don't wait a week to respond to a live Kickstarter. Those 30 days, your audience owns your ass. You need to be in there talking to these people, maintaining that relationship, maintaining that communication flow. As we had talked about marketing campaigns for your products and your brand, also think about your Kickstarter campaign. Mm -hmm. How are you going to schedule out your messaging? Are you doing it every two days? Are you doing? How are you getting that messaging out throughout not only the course of your Kickstarter, but also afterwards? Right. You want to make sure that you're engaging with your audience afterwards. You don't just go dead silent. I think that was a great example with the tarot cards. Um, and is this a one-off Kickstarter or do you maybe have a line of products that you want to look at? If you are doing a line of products, continue, consider doing a brand over the top of them. You want to have a web space where um, all of those different people from all of those different product lines and those different campaigns can kind of hang out, whether that's a Facebook group page or whether that's a website. I strongly recommend a website just because it, it dovetails really well into an e-commerce option. Um, so you're, you're building trust amongst mm -hmm. uh, the, the com your, your chosen community or the community that finds you. And right. then the, the reliability um, factor to all of that in, the, in that consistency. Where do you build that audience before Kickstarter? Is that like a Facebook thing? A Twitter a good question. Thing? There, there, are, there are so many channels and depending upon the nature of your product, um, Depending upon what what audience you're targeting, if you're targeting you know uh, young people, Snapchat and Instagram. If you're targeting an older demographic that's and you've got a higher price point, I recommend LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, it's really going to depend upon where where your tribe is, where the where that demographic is. Um, on the link that we've got there, there's a great social demographics report that was 2018 that literally shows you the demographics for every major social media channel. With the exception of Reddit, but I've got a different one for that. So, um, Chandler, yeah, do you have? I a say with without question though, more important than even. So, if I had a Facebook page that had ten thousand likes, which would be really hard to do and would actually cost quite a bit of money or a lot of time. Um, but if I had that and I had an email list of two thousand, my email list would be way more valuable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Facebook, in, so just be careful on in your social media selections, thinking that that is my community. Well, it's right. really. Facebook, if I had 10,000 people on Facebook, I would have to spend money to get in front of all of those people. And I probably wouldn't even get in front of all of them very quickly. Um, you have to run ads to your own, your own audience, your own, your own group there. And so an, an email list is incredibly important uh, for your strategy. Um, I highly recommend having, uh, assuming that you're going to convert 10 to 20% of your email list, um, uh, if, if things are going pretty well. And so based on that number, how many emails do you need to have to get funded or to get to a certain goal on your Kickstarter campaign? Um, that I would think backwards in that way. So if I need uh, 500 backers to get funded because it's a little bit of a lower price point and I need 10 grand, um, I don't know what the bad's on that, maybe it's a $50 campaign, I would probably need, uh, you know, I'd probably need a couple thousand people in that email list and, and that are pre-notified about what I'm about to do. And that takes time. 
Um, so at Metatopia, I mean, I hope you were, if you were playtesting a game, if you were grabbing emails from those individuals, to you that is so, so vital. Um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly important because those people might have really loved your game and you get to notify them about that later. And so anytime you expose somebody to that game, even if it's at a convention and you're not actually play testing it, but people are just like coming by and they see it and they're, oh, that's cool. Yeah, sign up for my Kickstarter or, you know, sign up for, 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 for updates my emails, yeah. for my emails so that uh, we can notify you. Um, uh, yeah, that is one of the things that I noticed that wasn't very prevalent here at Metatopia is uh, doing alpha and beta play tests. There was no data collection because I, I was going out of my way to ask for, for business cards. I'm like, I want to know who you are and when your product's going to eventually go live. Right. But there was no reverse of that to be able to, to reach back out to those folks that said they had a great time playtesting the product. You could create a Google form and say, give me feedback on your experience with my game on the fan page for Metatopia yeah. and include a, so Google forms are free because I'm cheap. Um, <laughs> super all about that. Cheap is good. Um, and just say, if you played this great game, include a picture and then put a link in and say, fill in this form. I want to hear your feedback. And one of the options in there should be the email. And now you've got their email. So that's a way to do it. Yep. Um, at the front desk, uh, the registration desk, they actually have forms. I didn't see many people take them. But they do include, like, do you want to be signed up for this card? Uh, nice. Each go. table does have a stack of those. Those were separate. That's actually for someone for else. The oh, that's the data. Uh, yeah. There is some sort of PH. Someone's doing the doctorate. Okay. But um, there are on the registration table some papers that um, stuff that you're supposed to write down as a designer and stuff that you get feedback from. Okay. Yeah, that's just just take it upon yourself to realize that that building this this uh, community that you're building is just it's really important. And uh, Kickstarter is a community building platform. It really isn't a fundraising platform. Don't think of it that way. Because the funds come as a secondary to your ability to create a great community. And so those who have built some of the best communities tend to make the most money. So there is a correlation. Um, but if you think of it as a community building platform, uh, then you're going to see more success. Right. Just two things I found. One of these little things, like a buck from Walmart, if you didn't have business cards or even just gathering everyone's info, that's a simple little one. It's a break off, you know, handout cards. And I started a, a Revit mailing list app. I had people, hey, oh, nice. okay. fill it in. And I had, you can also edit in this one. It's called Mailing Bubble. Like, okay. You can, like, add in your own things. They're like, hey, what are three games you also like? Quick notes and stuff. Yeah, cool. MailChimp is a great free platform if you have under 1,500 <coughs> yeah, so subscribers. Um, there are a couple of other great ones that are really inexpensive. Eye contact, constant contact. There's there's lots of different options for you. The main reason why I would sell you so much on email is because it's much easier to get somebody on your Facebook page from an email, but it's very hard to get somebody from your Facebook page on your email, if that makes sense. It's it's much easier one direction. I don't Andrew. read email. I'm like the worst. I do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But this also goes back to what we were talking about in the marketing classes, was that it's work. All the things we've just talked about is work. And these are things that either you are going to have to do as an independent creator, or you're going to have to ask somebody in your group. or Help, or, help me build this, yeah. Because yeah. uh, even, even those emails is going to be content creation. You're going to have to be writing copy for those emails. It's going to be engaging, and people aren't going to just hit unsubscribe. Right. Assets for the Kickstarter. All right, not don't use blinking gifts. The nineties called. They want their MySpace back. Um, 
Do you have art? Do you have a plan for your banners? All of the, when you look at a Kickstarter, you've got kind of all of these fun little content pieces. Um, do you have a video? We talked about video creation earlier. Do you have a video for your Kickstarter? Is it, is it quick? Is it snappy? Is it engaging? Do people understand it? Um, has someone reviewed the language for your Kickstarter page? Clarity is really important. Show it to somebody who may not be familiar with your product. Make sure that they can understand it. Um, are each of the levels and stretch goals something that makes sense and drives purchases? Um, don't cave to every single suggestion so, <laughs> on there. Because yeah, one of the things Kickstarter offers is the ability to show it before it goes live for, for review, and mm -hmm. you can get commentary from people. Problem is, a lot of folks get bogged down in all of that commentary, and they're like, well, what about this pledge level? What about this pledge level? And suddenly they're trying to fulfill everybody's wish. But along the way, all of those pledge levels, you're going to have to factor in what are what those costs are and the time and fulfillment and everything else. And those pledge levels really matter. You can't just throw a bunch of things up and think, oh, this is great, it's gonna work. You really gotta put some thought behind those pledge levels. On a previous uh, panel that I was on, we did talk about 2019, how it's a little bit different than some of the past years, how it's changing. And one of the things that we talked about is that uh, simplicity is really key. Yep. Um, there are campaigns, if you look at a lot of the campaigns now, uh, less is more in terms of the pledge levels that are offered. There's not usually you know, 12 pledge levels anymore, <laughs> yeah. like there was at some point. Yep. Um, and so less is more in most cases, um, especially for most of us, tabletop games. I mean, to be honest, we don't have a need for all these pledge levels because we have a base game and an expanded version or, or a specialty version. And uh, so just keep things simple, but very, but uh, you know, and, simple and concise. And your pledge managers can handle a lot of the add-ons after right. someone has pledged for the Kickstarter. You, when they can go in and, and, and when they go to, 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 to clarify their address or, or capture the address, there are usually options to be like, hey, do you want to do these add-ons? So you don't have to pack all of that into your pledge levels. You can handle that with your pledge manager. And walls of text, not great. If you can break them up with design assets, because I, I, I am uh, definitely social media centric. If, if there is a wall of text, I'm not going to read it. Break nope. it up in paragraphs. You zoom right past it. Yep, zoom right past it. I'm, like, I'm not reading that. Bullet points are great, um, but have somebody else review your content before you put it up there. That's so, so important. Keep it clean. Keep it neat. Mm -hmm. And remember to update, uh, release updates along the way, not all at once. You want to kind of drip, have a drip strategy of, of what you're doing so that people want to come back and see the updates. They want to come back. They don't just come in at the beginning or at the end. I love when I see a creator who has like, yeah, here's, uh, we, we plan to have a 30-day campaign and we have 15 updates already written yeah. or already pre-planned. That is like I, I, a huge, huge thing because you, during the Kickstarter, you are so busy promoting and there's a lot of work happening at that point. So if you at least have like a an idea of what you could do, it's going to go way different than you think. But if you have an idea of what you could do, yep. uh, you'll be in a really great place. And you can plan, as she mentioned, you're, you're kind of holding back your cards. Actually, it was mentioned by both of you. Mm -hmm. You can hold back your cards, and I'm not going to say this is everything I've got. Instead, I'm delivering a little bit of content each day. And if you want to look at some good campaigns that did that, in fact, one of my favorite recently, I guess it was last year, was a monolith uh, Batman game, the, the big miniature game. In it, there's things that I didn't love, but the one thing that I absolutely loved was the delivery of content. Mm -hmm. you know, every, uh, every day or two, I think it was every day, maybe multiple times a day, they were delivering content about each miniature and each character and they would deliver a picture. Because as I looked at their page originally, the content, mm -hmm. I wanted to see a close-up of Joker and of like all the characters from Batman, right? But there was no close-up photos. And at first I was like, 
like grumpy about that. But then I realized that it was intentional and their strategy was that each day they were revealing the very detailed close-ups of each picture, of, of, of each mini and, uh, and details about the backstories and, yeah. and all of those things. And so the content was gripping and it was almost like, uh, you it's know. It's addictive, you it, wanna go back yeah, every it was day a, it's and almost see. a journal of like yeah. information to go through those updates and read yep. them and see them. That's really smart. And uh, so I absolutely loved uh, following that aspect of it, and uh, I didn't even back it. <laughs> I think I backed it. Uh, I just because it was expensive, and at the time I wasn't ready to. But I, I, I backed it for a small dollar figure. I think I backed it for five, ten dollars, but got like some sticker set or something like that. But the um, the point being is that the community engagement was really mm -hmm. key to that. Yep. And if I can speak on your point really quickly yeah. as well about uh, imagery, um, one of the things you want to think about with imagery is, is retention. Uh, if I can create some retention in their brain about what I'm doing, then I've succeeded because most people will visit your Kickstarter four to six times before they'll actually make a pledge. Like that's, that's just kind of normal like sales statistics, but it's also very common for Kickstarter is you have somebody that will visit, oh, this is pretty cool. Uh, before I spend $120, I probably should ask my wife first, right? Like, I might have that interaction. I have to go home. Some people are on their phone when they first yep. see what you're doing, but they only make pledges on a computer. Right. Uh, I'm that person. Very, yeah, it's very common. <laughs> that's, that's why there's that bell curve, because you, you see your early adopters, mm -hmm. and then there's this large gap generally in, in where people have basically said, save this for later, let me know, within yeah. the last 48 hours. Yep. And then you have that mad rush towards the end. And some people ask me, why does it happen? The, the, the horseshoe effect, right? It's, it's great up here, and then it goes down, and then it's great at the end. The reason why there's a horseshoe like this is exactly for that reason, and, mm -hmm. and it's a high-pressure timing at the end. Yep. Um, there's, I mean, if there's two days left, like, I either do it or I don't. And it's a, a do or die. There is a yep. sense of urgency. Um, but the, the, the other thing that's uh, really key about it is, again, if they visited four to five times, they have slowly, like, do I trust this person? Do I really want to you. invest into this? Yep. And so that's why people click that little heart button on Kickstarter. The heart button lets them follow your campaign. Um, so I can say, yeah, I like this. And then, or did it turn into a star? It's a heart. It's a heart, yeah. yeah. And so they can continue to follow it. And um, that's why people pledge a dollar. It's a very common strategy now is people will pledge only a dollar to just follow along. They want to see the updates. See the updates yeah. They want access to, uh, to CrowdOps or the pledge management later. Um, but yeah, realize that, uh, that again, if, if you do have the bell curve that he was talking about and this, this horseshoe, horseshoe um, you don't want to die out in content through in the middle of, of what you're doing. Yeah, you want to try yeah. to keep that engaging content even towards the middle. And there, there are a lot of strategies online where folks have, have posted really thoughtful um, blogs about ways to, to, to skate through those, those lulls and still keep it engaging. Right. And, and still pick up backers. You're, you're breadcrumbing along the way. You want them to continue to follow you. And so you're leaving little bits of content that they can pick up and be engaged and, with. And there's a lot of unlocked, a lot of smart um, Kickstarters that do uh, unlockable content. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's based off of, hey, if we get this number of backers, we're going to unlock these things. Or the other thing I've seen, it ties back to that social engagement. If we get this many Facebook likes on our business page, it unlocks this. It unlocks yeah. something. Or we get stuff on Twitter, and it's driving people to those channels that then unlocks new content. And it was, I think, Exploding Kittens that did like some super random ones. Like if you, you know, if you got seven Batmans in a tub, then yeah. we would, you know unlock this thing like they had such random stuff but the engagement was 
amazing. Yeah. So good. And, yeah. and so the um, be silly or be connected to your community in the way that your game merits. If it's a really silly game, uh, then you probably want to be a little bit silly and, and engage yeah. in a unique way. Build a tower of D6s that measures at least 16 inches tall. Send us a picture. Use a hashtag. But yeah. but that's a call for engagement. Yeah, so call that, for action. Yeah. And a lot of and and some folks that might not have thought about ever doing anything just think that's neat and jump in and get involved. Right. Um, and yeah. uh, or if I get X number of people sign up for my newsletter, that's a great way to do it. And now that I know I have X many emails that I'm sitting on top of, that kind of experience. Yes. But what kind of content does it unlock? Like, does it unlock something that? Like more pictures that they're going to put up on the or, Kickstarter, or are you talking or about? It could be a video with, uh, with you, right? Like uh, that you're gonna do something. Like I saw somebody that did something super goofy, and like if you get to this number, then I'm gonna like, you know, do dance something. Funky yeah, do, do a dance or <laughs> yeah. something and record it and share with you. Like yeah. it doesn't have to be product a stretch based. goal and a product based. Yeah. The stretch goals are, are have their own function um, and are important in their own way, but aren't really tied exactly to what we're talking. About with yeah. that. So these can be just be means, means by which they get to know the, the creators. They get to know you, you know, or maybe, maybe you're seeing them in Aria or, or Hey, maybe, uh, or maybe if this gets dog. unlocked, you know, you, you get entered into a drawing for a Skype call with the creator or mm -hmm. something that, that that's not going to be, you know, it doesn't cost extra money necessarily, yeah. maybe a little bit of extra time. And there could even be other community engagements that like, if you have room for, for flavor text on your cards, Right, and it doesn't necessarily merit a, sometimes merit a stretch goal or I mean a, a pledge level that's different. I pay more money to do that. Maybe it's just you want to put flavor text on all of the cards, and so you're asking your community, hey, what's something really funny that this guy would say? Right, caption this. Right, and then you've got 300 people of your total backers that are like, that's awesome. I'm going to put what I think is would be funny, and you just engaged your community yeah, in a really it. cool way that uh, gets them excited and amped. And uh, it's memorable. Yep. All right. Who are you going to call? Is it still worthwhile? Um, sorry. I remember seeing a few before where they did uh, getting multiple games, or where it was like either like the distributor like the, or a sales pack for one of those. Well, I've seen some folks that do that. It's like, you know, pledge for 10 games because it's like, oh, we're... You, you oh, a retail, a retail, yeah. a retail oh. thing, yeah. Yeah, retailer pledge is an okay idea. In fact, most of the big publishers still use a, a retail strategy. Um, retailers do shop Kickstarter as a way of knowing what should I look for, what should I be putting in my stores. So it's not a bad idea to have a retailer uh, pledge. Um, we can talk more in detail about that. If you want questions, you can ask me later. But uh, cause we're running, we have about 10 minutes left. Yeah. Um, we want some question and answer time. But yeah, it, it's, a, it's a good question, though. So why do you need a pledge manager? Oh, <laughs> uh, I thought we were, okay. Right. Um, um. So if you run a Kickstarter, you imagine now that you have 400 backers, right? Or whatever your number is that you have to achieve to get that goal. Maybe you went over. Mm -hmm. um, you now need to fulfill all of that. Um, but there's, there's a gap. Uh, typically three to six months between the time that you end that Kickstarter to the time that you're actually shipping product. And uh, there's some important steps that happen in between there. Um, your 400 backers, you're going to receive a list from Kickstarter as soon as the campaign is over. You'll be able to export it as a CSV file and you'll have a list of all of your backers from each pledge level and, and it has how much they backed, uh, pledged for your campaign. Um, so all you have is a name and an email. And so you do not have shipping information at this point. 
um, and you do need to collect that shipping information from them. There are ways to do that through Kickstarter. You can um, ask for that through a Kickstarter survey. Um, however, recognize the limitations of doing so. Um, using a pledge manager, CrowdOx is a pledge manager. I have one of these. I have little meeples if you want a meeple. Little baby ones. Um, but what CrowdOx does is, specifically I can talk from that perspective, is uh, we help gather the information from those backers. Many of you that have backed campaigns, probably, uh, no, not many, probably most of you that have backed campaigns have used a pledge manager probably without knowing. You filled out a form that gave your email, you gave, uh, or mm -hmm. the that you gave your shipping information, um, and then you maybe could add on some extras. Maybe the game came with, you know, custom dice and specialty coins instead of the, you know, the cardboard coins. You may have spent that extra fifteen dollars to get those coins. Um, that's a that's a uh, service that CrowdOx provides to the creator to you um, to help you raise extra revenue. And uh, because what we found is that let's say you have a thousand backers. Roughly 250, so 25% of your backers, if they're given the option, will add on additional product. Yep. Um, so 25% is a great number. If you can get 25% of that thousand to spend an extra 20 bucks, uh, that's going to do a lot uh, for your revenue. Um, but not just from a revenue perspective. Most of these people in this hobby world, you know, are the people that don't just get the the base game of the even like X when Xbox comes out with a new game, they don't just get the basic one. They get the one with the Batmobile that comes with it, right? right. They spend extra for the, the advanced versions and yep. the expanded editions. You want that Pip-Boy. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want that Pip-Boy. Yeah, and the limited edition. And so um, recognize that your audience, there's a percentage of your audience that wants some of those things, and uh, you may be able to offer those and charge a little bit more for them. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I highly recommend that you do if it's something that merits it. Um, and so, on average, tabletop campaigns like yours um, make an extra 19.5% of oh, wow. what they raise on Kickstarter. When they offer some, it can't just be the base game again, right? It has to be more than just what you did on the Kickstarter. Um, but 19.5% increase on revenue. Like, I know this is kind of like math or, or uh, you know, finance talking, but if you raise $10,000, you'll pro maybe make an extra $1,000 uh, or $2,000. And so uh, it can be pretty substantial, even to a small campaign, um, to be able to offer some extras to your backers. Cool. Um, and then it also helps you manage and organize all of the uh, uh, all of your orders. It's a lot of information, a lot of stress, and a lot of hassle. Confirming um, those addresses. Yep. Yeah, it's painful in and of itself. Um, cool. Uh, so some list of resources to consider before you start your Kickstarter. Canva.com is great for free design resources. ClickTrack gets trends and backer metrics. Hootsuite is great to schedule out your social media posts. Uh, Monty Cook and Shanna Germain's have Kickin a book it, called Kicking, called it. Kicking it that we thought mm -hmm. was really good. Um, Funding a, the Dream, which is a podcast by Richard Bliss. Uh, the Stonemeyer Games website and blog at StonemeyerGames.com is a, a great resource with lots of advice as well. Um, I recommend Bitly and TinyURL for click tracking from different sources. Um, also, take a look at Kickstarter statistics, which is where a lot of our stats fell out of to get a sense of scope. 
And uh, bit.ly slash Metatopia2018 is the resources for all of the, the three different classes that we did. Kickstarter also has a great resource on their website in terms of their handbook that you can find a lot of answers. You can also find lists of distributors or fulfillment centers or just pretty much anything you might be potentially looking for. They've got some examples and places you can go because, of course, they want you to be successful as well. Right. Um, and remember that if your Kickstarter does fail, it means that you can always do better next time. Look at what you learned. Um, Kickstarter only has a success rate of 36%, and in the gaming's category, uh, gaming category, it's 37%. Most successful projects are under $10,000, and only 323 have raised a million dollars or more out of 420,000 uh, launch products. And the most funded category is dance at 61.9%. Weird, right? Uh, but that's but probably because like there's, 12. there's like 12 of them. <laughs> and uh, theater, so I, thought, I think, is it like... A, a, 62% yeah, or something but, like that. And it's that. like three, you know, there were a small number, a handful. Yep. All right. Um, if you have additional right. questions, um, I'll be out here in the foyer. We yeah. can talk more. Um, and, uh, yeah, reach out to yeah. any of these guys. Yeah, we're happy to help. So we'll all be outside and we'll we'll make room for the next, the next uh, discussion. All right. Hey, there, you don't even have to move. Meeples. There's my baby meeples. You got a baby meeple. Thank you. These are adorable. <laughs> and then good little counters. Absolutely. Um, that's because I'm one, I was reading that, um, I can't remember if it was in Stonemaier or what, but people were saying, like, it's an option for if you're wanting to ship, like, as an option from shipping overseas there to be like, hey, if there's, like, if I have ten people and, you know, and... France who are wanting a game there instead of trying to ship them individually they buy a retail pack we're all yeah. getting together <laughs> to uh, save on the shipping costs yeah. yeah. they've got a great uh, number of blog posts regarding yeah. you and yeah. yeah. their, their stuff is really good yeah. thank Small you for your class yeah you bet thanks for coming Small, uh, small RPG. Cool. Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I got all that. Yeah, remember Ohio. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of work, right? Especially yeah. yeah. RPGs, you guys put in so much content in a written way that I just don't understand. I can't comprehend. <laughs>
Sunday noon 